Hey everyone. Today I interviewed Zeb and Colleen Secura. They are real estate investors living in Edmonton, but they have real estate in Ohio as well as Yellowknife. Uh, so we had a great conversation with them about that and why they chose those markets and how they balance their real estate investment business with a family. We also talked about finding your passion and your why and why everyone needs to find a mentor. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Zab and Colleen Sakira, thank you for coming on the show. Thank, thank you. You, uh, you know, why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself. All right, so uh, we are the Tsukiras. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people know us as the Tsukiras on social media. And uh, we started investing in real estate back in 2015, 2014. That's when we bought our first investment property. And then from there, we got uh, to um, join Keyspire after we had decided that we wanted to make real estate into a business. So we joined Keyspire to get knowledge. Um, at the time, we didn't even have money to, to join anyway. So mm-hmm. we had to swap our credit card uh, at the time um, because, you know, our vision was, was bigger than just, you know, swiping a credit card. Yeah. So, so we did that. <laughs> and then everything else, you know, is history after that because we took all the, the we soaked in all the information that we got from our coaches um from you know you know the, the the other investors that we met and managed to build a multi-million dollar portfolio uh which you know stems from Yellowknife, edmonton uh phoenix arizona um and then uh, in ohio cleveland and dayton as well so, so, so why we, those particular cities was it was that where you were moving to or is there a specific reason for those areas So our love for travel really has fueled our growth in real estate. So as we traveled to new locations and discovered their culture and everything they brought, we also found a love for the city and we thought, who wouldn't want to come visit here? So as we continued to travel, we'd either give back to the community or we would actually look for creating a base there. And that's how we kind of got into building our short-term rental business. Yeah. So short-term rentals, that's what you guys, is that your specialty? Um, no, no, it's not our specialty. We basically uh, dive in different types of rental uh, properties. We do short term, we do uh, long term stays, of course. Um, we do even like room rentals, and we do you know single family, like for one families. We do corporate rentals, so we're kind of diversified in our portfolio of what we do with our rentals. Yeah, it's definitely one of the fastest ways to grow income. So you've got the active income. Mm-hmm. which would be doing the short-term rentals, also known as Airbnb. We've been members since, uh, we've been hosts since 2014. We kind of started at the start of it and have grown in with it. And uh, that helps us generate that active income a lot quicker. But we always have a policy that we, when we buy a property, we want to make sure that it first works as a long-term buy and hold. Mm-hmm. And if that does, then we go into the active side to generate faster and uh, greater income from the property. Until it doesn't, then we could always switch back up. Gotcha, gotcha. Very interesting. And and a lot of people like to focus on one specific strategy, but it's really cool that you guys are 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 diversifying across different um, different strategies. Now, how are you able to? Are you doing short term rentals and room rentals in those areas like Scottsdale and and Yellowknife, or like how do you manage that? 
So in, in Yellowknife, we do a mix again. We do short-term rentals. We've got a couple of short-term rentals there. We do rot, um, uh, room rentals as well mm-hmm. there. Um, in Phoenix, Arizona, and, and, and in Cleveland. And Scottsdale. And Scottsdale, sorry. Uh, we also do, um, we do Airbnb, actually, in those, in those cities. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And, and so have you guys been a couple, like not a couple, but have you guys been a power couple in real estate this whole time? Or was it one of you that, that decided that you wanted to do it and the other one was, uh, was, was kicking and screaming? <laughs> so um, to start in real estate, we started, we're already married. Um, the story starts before we're even married, before we're married. So it starts with uh, when I dropped out of university. Um, so when I was in university, I, I think after a year, I figured that what I was doing um, was something that I did not envision myself doing for a long time. So, and I wasn't doing that well as well in, in school at that time. So I basically kind of uh, had to look for something that, you know, was securing a lot of people's lives as becoming millionaires and becoming financially free. So all I did was to go on Google, Google that, and what I found was real estate investing. So at that point, I was like, since I don't want to, you know, continue with school, get more student debt, why don't I just like pursue that dream? And for me to pursue that dream, I had to convince my girlfriend at the time who is Colleen now, who's my wife. That would be awkward. <laughs> I wasn't sure where you were going. <laughs> it did sound a little off. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> so basically, yeah, I had to convince her that, uh, you know, it was going to be fine if I drove out of school and pursue that. So at that point, when I did that, that's when we kind of started together with the dream of getting into real estate. And then we got married and then we just pursued that. Yeah, but it took about three years, I think, three to four years to get our first investment property because we found out that um, our credit, both our credits, were very bad mm-hmm. once we had the, the initial down payment. So we had to, you know, work harder to, you know, correct our credit, and then from there, uh, we bought our first investment property. Yeah, but kind of before we got into the whole real estate thing after getting married, we did a bit of house hacking. Mm-hmm. So we stayed in a two-bedroom apartment where there were two guys living in the living room, one other guy in a room and us having a bedroom. So that's kind of where we got to see that we could use the rent in a two bedroom apartment and Mm -hmm. we could all minimize our costs by having more people staying with us. So when we finally got that chance to buy our one bedroom, our two bedroom condo, we were done with roommates. (laughs) Yeah, and we're like, okay, I think we kind of want our space at this point, but that kind of took us back until we played the cash flow uh, game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever played it. I but haven't yet, but oh my gosh, you must. Yeah, so we kind of played that game and that along with watching income property, that night we contacted a realtor and our house was listed the next day. Really? Yeah, we basically you know, found out that you know, our house was not making money. Yeah. We're not making money with it. It, was, it wasn't paying us. So we're like, no, we need to get into an investment that actually pays us. Mm. It's, it's, it's funny because I just had a conversation um, a little while ago with a friend of mine and, and they were talking about something very similar and that um, they didn't believe real estate was a great investment because he bought a condo and he's like, I've lost $40,000 on this thing. And I was trying to explain to him that, that real estate isn't necessarily a great investment. You know what I mean? It's, it's invest- you need to know what kind of property to buy because there's lots of different properties you can buy and some are better investments than others. Just like some stocks are better than other stocks, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So you guys just decided that, Hey, this property wasn't the right investment. So let's pull my money out and let's go buy something else. That's a better investment. Mm -hmm. And what did you guys end up buying? So we ended up buying a four bedroom bungalow. So it had uh, two bedroom upstairs and two bedroom downstairs. Okay. So what then we, we learned from income property, watching tons of that was now we had to make an independent suite at the bottom. Right. So we made an independent suite at the bottom, a legal suite where we put in uh, an extra bedroom to make it three bedrooms. Um, and then once we had done that, we got in three tenants because we decided to do room rentals. And okay. exactly. And in Yellowknife, room rentals are very lucrative because people pay like between 800 to 1,000, 200, 300, depending on what. So we like do. to say 900 yeah. average a month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 900 yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when we did that, uh, we, we then realized that most of our expenses were paid by the tenants downstairs. Mm -hmm. So it was like when, when a light bulb, like <laughs> kind of, you know, we had that switch, like, oh my goodness, we should actually do more of this. Absolutely. Right? But then at that point, we had no idea of how can we do more of this. Mm -hmm. And that's when we sort of like, um, I think after that, what did we do, Colleen? Oh, that's when you got pregnant. Yes. So we decided yeah. to um, renovate the master bedroom upstairs. Um, and at that time, we realized that dust and pregnancy don't mix. So we moved to my parents' house and created um, two additional bedrooms upstairs. So now we had a seven-bedroom house with all the room rentals. So I mean, yeah. quick math, if the average room is 900 to seven, that's kind of what we were making. So we're making almost yeah. $7,000 uh, gross and uh, our passive income was close to 3000 a month. Yeah. Wow. And that's okay. because, you know, the smaller the room, it's 900 Whereas we had some rooms which are huge, like, you know, a master bedroom with ensuite is $1,300. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and yeah. then we had rooms that were 1100 with rooms that were 1000 And then... Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't like being the negative person and I, I will never but what kind of challenges did you guys face with that particular house or any rooming house okay so the first challenge I think that was the only challenge we faced mm. no there were two challenges so the first challenge was when we started we had no idea in terms of like how to vet a contractor mm -hmm. so we sort of just looked at you know who's doing what in your life and then we ended up just getting this other contractor that we thought they were, they were good. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Their work was good, but then we got overcharged. Oh, okay. Right? I think we got overcharged by 10000 10, Yeah, exactly. Like that $10,000. That was a $10,000 lesson at that yeah. point. And that's kind of yeah. how we look at everything, that mm -hmm. every experience we go through, it's a lesson, right? And Zeb and I haven't really gone through and graduated from high school, so we kind of take <laughs> all the lessons we learn along the way as okay, well now we know this is how you vet contractors. This is how you deal with whatever trades you're gonna work with. So it was a ten thousand dollar lesson. And just to correct you, graduated from university, not high school. I said high school. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, university. University. We and did graduate from high school. <laughs> and you can't skip those lessons either with the contractors and, and, and the trades and stuff like that because it's just inevitable. You, you have to make a couple of mistakes. Exactly. And it's and unfortunate because a lot of people actually, they, they, they never take action. They never take that first step because they're afraid. What if this? What if I go $10,000 over? Well, if you just 
understand that the first couple deals, you're either going to break even or lose money. Just get over it. Everybody does. Exactly. My first property was not a great investment. It still cash flows. I still have it yeah. because I have to keep it. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I'm pretty sure your first property wasn't the greatest. You made some mistakes. Maybe you lost some money. But yeah. you know what did you gain? You gained education. You gained experience, right? And then now you won't make that same mistake again. Exactly. And then the second one was um, tenants, dealing with, a te with tenants. So mm -hmm. um, when we started renting out the rooms, we never did uh, in entrance and exit inspections. Oh, okay. We didn't do that. And we didn't know, right? We kind of learned <laughs> on the go. So we, we're kind of like people that learn on the go. So we learned on the go. So until one tenant uh, wanted to leave and uh, she did not give us 30 day notice to leave kind of thing. So uh, we were like to her, um, since you didn't give us 30 days to leave, uh, we, we might have to hold your damage deposit until we get someone in. And then she's, she's, she tends uh, to us and says, oh, by the way, since I don't have an entrance inspection, you don't have, you, you're, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. So we're like, what? That's when we kind of went to the rental board, found out she was telling the truth. So we had to deal with that situation and mm. come down and come to a resolution. I've been having a lot of conversations about the, uh, the, ten the tenancy acts. Um, with people recently because obviously with everything going on with COVID and, and not being able to evict and the restrictions, I guess, just during COVID. Um, I, I'm really, I, I, I'm actually going to be doing an episode specifically on um, education for tenants, an episode essentially for tenants, because I don't know if you remember when you were renting, like I, I never went out of my way to go read the Residential Tenancies Act. No. And yet a lot of landlords don't either. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what you have is the blind leading the blind and, and everybody's doing, making decisions and doing things in regards to the rental property based off either what they believe, what they heard or what they, you know, they asked someone on Facebook, which mm -hmm. is just crazy because everyone rents at one point yeah. in your life, you're going to rent. And yet you never read your local tenancy act. Isn't that crazy? That's it crazy. is, it yeah. is. Yeah. And that's why you hear all of these horrible stories, but my landlord did this or my landlord did that. Or we're like, oh no, no, that's not true because my landlord told me it was this. And, mm -hmm. and yet no one ever pulls up the act to actually read it. Yeah. Like you should, I think everybody should read it. I think you should read it in grade 12 or grade 11 yeah, because it, <laughs> it's, it's, and then of course, like a lot of landlords don't read it either. And then, you know, like, like in your circumstance, yeah. you know, you kind of shot yourself in the foot, but yeah. um, you know, it's, I mean, now, you know, yeah. <laughs> Good thing we're learning along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I find my, my, my best lessons for residential tenancies act was, was like my first two or three tenants where I actually had to go where they did something. And then you, you, you're like, okay, they did this. Is that correct? And that's the best way to learn. My first three uh, tenants, I had to go to the, the RTDRS in Edmonton. And I had to, you know, go to the dispute resolution service. And uh, that was a great lesson because I, I went through the whole process for with all three of them. And now I'm an expert. I know exactly how to do it. Right? I revised all my leases. I put measures in place. And I'm yeah. pretty sure you guys are the same way now, too. Oh, definitely. We actually now um, basically we tailor make our leases to exactly what uh, the cities want. Mm -hmm. So when we move into a new city. All we do is we go to the rental oh, board and find out. What kind of lease are you expecting? And we copy paste that exact same lease. Because oh. then we're on the same page with the tenants. We expect them to at least have knowledge of, you know, what's expected. And we come in and we learn from that. Mm -hmm. 
we, we try and go through the lease as much as possible with the tenants without scaring them away. Um, but uh, hey guys, I just want you to know, not a lot of people know this, a 12 month fixed lease is fixed. You can't just yes. move it anymore. It's not 30 days notice. It's not, you know, whatever your landlord said before, this is, this is the law. And we need you to know that because a lot of people, they just, they'll, they'll make decisions. They'll go take a job somewhere else. They'll, they'll buy, they'll find a new place. And then they're like, Hey, by the way, here's my 30 day notice. Yeah. You know, and then that just becomes conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Yellowknife, when did you guys decide to leave Yellowknife and where did you go from there? So uh, we decided to leave Yellowknife in December. So uh, to go to the States, uh, to Scottsdale. And the whole idea was... So this was just last December? Yeah. Last oh, okay. December 2019. Yeah. Okay. December. Yeah. So the whole idea was for us to buy a business there. We had uh, identified a small uh, business that we wanted to buy so that we can get the E2 visa, which is a visa uh, that's given to business people and you can stay in the United States for two years and you can always renew that every two years. Okay. So our idea was to get into that business and that business is supposed to be um, self-managing what it's called. Basically hands-free. Hands-free business. Where mm-hmm. it was just us to buy it. We have people that are running it and we don't have to get involved on a day-to-day running, running of the business. Mm-hmm. The idea was for us to be in the States and then pursue a lot of, do a lot of real estate investing, which would be in, you know, in, in Phoenix, Arizona, Scottsdale, and then in Ohio, in any city in the United States where, you know, the return was pretty good. Okay. So was the business, you know, the main goal or was it just a, was that kind of your... It was just an avenue to get us into the U.S. Yeah. It was an avenue to get us into the U.S. so that we can stay longer and do more business in real estate. Because when you invest in the U.S. as a non-U.S. citizen, as a Canadian, you could get into the U.S. for six months. Some people do in and out. Other people will do six months straight. So because for us, real estate is our main business, uh, we decided that to make it solid and to be on the ground, to be a facilitator for Canadians looking to invest in the U.S., Mm. it made sense for us to be there. So by investing in a business that allowed us to be there for two years, we'd be able to be that middle person who's able to get in for Canadians who are in and out every six months while also generating income from our business as well. So after being there for the month of December, we did our due diligence December and January, and we realized that it was in fact a lot more work than they Mm -hmm. had pitched it out to be. So that's when we decided that we were not really looking for another job. Mm -hmm. We were looking for more, you know, hands-free investment streams. Right. And that's kind of when we chose not to do it and we moved to uh, Ohio. Okay. And what was in Ohio? So we, we it's, it's, you can't say we moved to Ohio. It's not like we moved. We, well, we, we, <laughs> we were no we, longer in Phoenix. So we then decided like to continue since we had six months. So we decided yeah. like since, you know, of getting the two years, no more. So now it's six months. So anyways, let's continue with what we wanted to do. So we went to Dayton to look at properties there and also Cleveland. So we got a couple of properties, um, but one in particular that we actually uh, in Cleveland that we... Um, decided that we were going to purchase it, uh, reno it, and stay in there at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we did that until the property was done, and then um, we put it out on Airbnb. And during that time, that's when the COVID thing uh, became a thing, I guess, became right. a big thing. So that's when we basically decided to come back home to Canada because of the whole, you know, health stuff. You know, health, because we don't have health insurance in terms of 
we hadn't looked that far. Yeah. We had an insurance provider who covered us for about, I think, three months Something over like in that. the States. But if things were going to ramp up and there'll be a lockdown, mm -hmm. that's something we would have had to look seriously into. And because we're not planning on living in the States at that point, we yeah. decided to move back and now we're based in Edmonton. Okay. Back where I am. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's a great market for, for rentals, as I'm sure you guys already know. It is. Mm -hmm. Yes. We, we've been investing in Edmonton for the last, I'd say, two, three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so what's the future now, now that, uh, you know, you guys are back in Edmonton, are you guys going to primarily focus on Edmonton what, or, or what kind of properties are you guys looking for now? Um, the reason why we decided to settle in Edmonton was because Edmonton is sort of like central to um, go to, 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 to manage Yellowknife because we do have businesses as well that are running right now okay. in Yellowknife. And also real estate. So Edmonton was kind of like a central place where it's like, a, take, a, take a flight to Yellowknife, it's like an hour and a half. Right. So you can easily go there. And then you can easily go to Phoenix, you can easily go to, you know, to Cleveland. So that's why we decided to stay in Edmonton. So from here, then we're deciding to continue investing in all those cities. We might have new cities in the United States that we're hearing like things are going, you know, uh, going to be very... Um, cheap properties because of the whole COVID thing, what's going on right now. Yeah, there's basically more deals out there. We try mm -hmm. not to limit ourselves in terms of, you know, what we want to do. And that's because we find we enjoy taking risks. For us, real estate isn't, you know, we want to do this, we want to stick to that. For us, it's more like a passion, right? Mm -hmm, right? We enjoy doing it. We enjoy going to new cities. We enjoy traveling. We enjoy finding out about new cultures. And that's really what's driven us and you know some people will say you have to be focused you have to find one thing and really go for that we've achieved financial freedom we're both doing this full-time and it's not because we have to we've got our assets paying for our lifestyle right now so it's more you know if we wanted to try something out there's nothing stopping us from packing up and moving to Ohio for four months and seeing what the market is like because we still manage everything virtually and we've got teams on the ground so in terms of your question, what we plan to focus on, definitely Edmonton is on our mind because that's where we are now. We know the money and numbers are in Yellowknife and that's always going to be a place that we look at leveraging the networks we've built, leveraging the teams we have on the ground to grow our business there. And uh, the Ohio market is amazing. Oh, amazing. So yeah. really, we're in the middle of it all and only time will tell. We're always looking at what's out there and seeing where we could get a real estate deal. I love that. And, and that's, that's really the direction that my family is trying to get to as well. And we, we want to be a little more secure and, and, and not quite financially free. We want just cash flow restrictions, yes. but um, we really want to get to that point too, is, is we don't really have a destination either, but we want to be able to just, like you said, pick up and move to Ohio and have the ability to do that. And I love that because you guys aren't restricting yourselves, just one mm -hmm. thing. And you keep an open mind. And, and I got to ask what it was like to, to travel so much with the little ones. And um, I, saw one of them, I saw one of them poking up on the stairs a little. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it was challenging. And kind of the way we did it is every new city that we went to, we found a local daycare. Yeah. So they would be in daycare during the day while we were working and looking at properties. Because when we're there for to start off a month, it's intense. The mm -hmm. first month we tried it in uh, Arizona, we had the kids with us. 
We were looking at houses with them. We're going through properties. We'll skip lunch breaks at times and they'll eat in the realtor's car. Yeah. So it was intense. So we figured that part of our traveling budget needed to involve a daycare expense. Right. We don't have a nanny. So we always looked at what daycare is available. What are the ratings? We'll put them in there. And that's kind of how we've been able to manage doing all of that. Okay. And it's an experience and adventure for them. Now my son can tell you, you know, he wants to be a landlord so he could take checks to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> How old are they? Um, so my son is five and my daughter's two. Okay. So they're just getting ready for, for kindergarten. Well, the first one's getting ready for kindergarten. He is. Yeah. He's starting kindergarten in September. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So a little more limited to, to, to the travel now. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But... But that's, that's pretty awesome. And they obviously love being a part of it, like you said. Oh, they yeah. do. They know that, you know, this is basically part of our family business. This is who we are as a family. We go, we see houses. We're driving. They could point out a for sale sign. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they kind of have, we're trying to ingrain in them opportunities and things that we didn't learn as a kid. Mm-hmm. And to know to spot those opportunities so that as well, they could create a lifestyle that they want for their future. Because reality is when we're gone, we want them to take over the business. That's what we're creating. So Mm -hmm. unless we train them at a young age and instill all these values in them, they won't see it when they grow up. Exactly. Exactly. That's so cool. And and so you guys as a couple, obviously, you you both seem very passionate about it. Um, Do you you guys work together all day or do you guys um, tackle different portions of the business? Or how does that work? How's the dynamic? Uh, we've been like chained to the hip for the last, what, five months. <laughs> we've been working together all day that it's become the yeah. norm. When one of us steps out for groceries, like it's been 20 minutes. Where you know, you? where are you? <laughs> and for the most part, we're yeah. pretty much together. And I mean, if we're working from home, um, it's just, you know, he's working on a project. We start off by finding out what the plan is for the day. What's the agenda business-wise, real estate-wise, what are you tackling? What am I dealing with? Even though we could both do the same things, mm-hmm. it's divide and conquer. And then mm-hmm. the afternoons, it's all about the kids. That's great. Okay. I'm going to ask something. It might come across a little personal. If, and if you, if you, if you feel uncomfortable, just deflect. Yes. But I have to ask, cause a lot of um, partners who work with their spouses, um, you know, it's, it's very difficult to kind of keep business and relationship and family separate or, you know, some people like to integrate, but even with that integration, it's very hard to, you know, at 5 p.m. kind of turn business off and then you're supposed to be a couple again. You know what I mean? You're supposed to keep that fire. So do you have any like relationship tips for entrepreneurs or real estate investors who work with their spouse or their their partner? I think that was the kids. We may have to go. No, I'm joking. Uh, no, I mean, for us, we don't necessarily turn it on and off. Yeah. And it's because it's something that we're both passionate yeah. about. Mm-hmm. If, um, you know, we also do speak, we've got like a, tra- a team of people that we work with and students that we coach. And we tell them that if you and your spouse are not on the same page, it is something that you may have to turn off because the same way your spouse goes to work nine to five, they're looking at it as in your real estate business must be the same way. They're not expecting to come home at five and hear you talk more about real estate. So you kind of have to find that, okay, I'm going to respect where you are right now and I'll meet you there. Right. Nine to five, you'll do your job. Nine to five, I do mine. We mm-hmm. can meet and kind of catch up over dinner about how was your day? 
right. then you kind of have to draw that line and understanding of this is not their life. This is not where they want to be. And we always say, if you shove something down somebody's throat, they'll always not want it. They'll gag each time. Yes. So it's the same thing for parents who try to push real estate to their kids. Kind of like let them take passion and interest in what you're doing. And through that, you know, they'll build an interest in, oh, okay. So tell me about this real estate thing. Yeah. Whereas for us, it's like 24-7. You know, if he's like, if we get an email that, oh, this is going on at one of the properties or this is going on at the business, there is no off for us. It's always an ongoing conversation. And I think I'm okay with that. How do you feel about it? I was about to ask Zeb, do you have the same answer? Yeah. <laughs> now that I've shared uh, my viewpoint. <laughs> and I love that the doorbell rang to save you. <laughs> At the same time. Yeah. We're really deflecting this really well. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. And, you know, I was at... Um, I was at an acre event. Um, how do I word this? I was at an acre event recently, and um, you know they did a little panel on um, you know couples working together, and and there was one particular you know woman who who raised her hand. She says, and it was a bad example. Um, you know I don't want it to sound like the people that were on the panel weren't weren't uh, experts in this, but the woman put her hand up and says, "Yeah, I got five kids. How many kids do you have?" And it really mm -hmm. stuck with me because, you know, there's a lot of people in that room. They all kind of went like this and I, you can kind of feel it. Everybody had that, that thing that prevented them from, um, from, from taking action or from, you know, um, that they were struggling with. And it's really great to hear other parents and, you know, partners um, giving their examples of how they keep it, you know, together. And it, like, I, I was sorry, what I was getting at was that it's very difficult doing with your spouse. Um, you know, we struggle, we're, we're putting a lot of work into it. We're getting coaching on it. Um, because, you know, at 5pm, it's, it's, it's hard to, to turn that masculine business energy off and then still be a romantic couple. Right. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with my marriage. She's listening. And I, I we yeah. talk about this a lot. Um, but I, I, I have a lot of conversations with other, with other investors. They're like, Oh yeah, I totally understand what you're talking about. And you don't want that to affect your relationship. You don't want to get so super successful that you, and you have nothing there, you know, or no one there to enjoy it with. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and I, it's really cool that you guys, so let's talk about routines with your kids. Um, so you guys kind of turned it off. You sit around that what time and then you, and then it's, it's family time. So our COVID routine is completely yeah. different because kids are home, right? So mm. they'll wake up in the morning. Um, Zeb had a, uh, another call and I put the kids for a nap. So morning when the kids are awake, it's, it's about the kids or we separate. One person goes and does work. The others with the kids until they go for, uh, for a nap from 12 to two. So 12 to two will be us doing business together. And then they wake up, then we do more family stuff from let's call it 2.30 till seven and seven they go to bed and it's back to business until at times we'll sleep at 2 a.m. or midnight, just getting work done. And it's because we want this time specifically to be memorable for them. Yes. As much as we've got the business going, we understand that they're also um, at a point where they're not sure what's going on. They have all these insecurities. So if we just shut them off and we said, watch TV, mommy and daddy are working. That's what they'll remember 15 years from now. So we're trying to find a way to balance of, okay, we may not be sitting together in the office like we normally do, but one of us can be with the kids and we could switch in the afternoons. 
that's that's really good. I, I like hearing different people's routines and and how they manage it or how they integrate it. It's 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 very valuable. Um, I want to go back to the very beginning where you had that moment where you guys went and took the keys by our course and you made that decision that you guys were going to get into real estate. If we can rewind just a tiny bit on that, I, I like, I like to ask people where their breakthrough moment was. They had that moment in their life where something happened or, you know, they were, they, they had to, they had to change, you know, the way that they, they saw everything. And then they decided that, okay, I'm going to become a real estate investor. Do you remember what that moment was that breakthrough moment where you guys decided that this is what we want to do and this is, we're going to change our life. Um, I think our breakthrough moment might be different. Um, mine and Colleen might be different because my breakthrough moment was when um, I was in university mm -hmm. and when basically my mind shifted to, is there anything else out there that can, you know, create that financial freedom uh, for me. And I found real estate. And for me, finding real estate at that time when I was in university, that was my breakthrough moment. Yeah. yeah. And was mine that. was really having our son, right? Yeah. When he was born, it was that moment of, I was working a full-time job with the government at that point, making good money. I had, you know, a pension set out, a whole life plan. And when he was born, it was realizing that in 12 months, I'd have to leave him. So mm -hmm. it was at that point where I had to make a decision that, we were going to replace our income from my work so that I could make an, so I could decide to stay home with him when that time came. So that's kind of when we decided that real estate investing isn't the best decision you can make. The best decision you can make is the one you make in yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's why we pursue that education of how can we actually make this into a business? Right now we had properties. We were making money from the seven bedrooms. We were onto our second property that did the same. But how do we go beyond just doing that? Mm -hmm. And that's when we found that, oh, there's networks out there that could mm -hmm. educate us to do it. And that's really where we saw that we could replace that income. And we did in a year and a half. Quit my job. A year and a half. Yeah, yeah, year and a half. Quit my job, moved to a new city, moved to Edmonton with my son. Zeb was still in Yellowknife managing the businesses and flying every weekend to come see us. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, that right there, that'll keep you going for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, takes so, most people a long time to do it. It does, yes. Yeah. And for and us, freedom. it's because we focused on the cash flow, right? We were yeah, like, was, yeah. we're in an opportunity zone that most people don't know. When we go to networking events and people ask, where are you from? And we say yellow and I feel like, how did you get there? Why are you investing there? Nobody wants to be there. We're like, exactly, <laughs> right? People don't want to base themselves there. And that's why there's they a rent. good rental market mm. right now. Like Yellowknife, the NWT, Nunavut, those territories, they don't have COVID hitting as hard. They landlocked because not a lot of people want to go okay. there. Everything is well managed. The governments are the main uh, source of income for people. Okay. Yes, there's the mines, but there's also the cities. Yellowknife is the capital of the Northwest Territories. So worst case, push comes to shove, they'll centralize everything there. We've been able to get all our rents from tenants. Not even one has skipped mid-COVID. Really? And that's because we have the philosophy of we would rather have an empty unit than a bad tenant. Right. Right? So mm -hmm. we've really put in good tenants who've got those great values that we do. And who know, especially our yellow knife market, that there'll always be things around the city that'll help you be able to pay your rent. Wow. Yeah.
some people don't get the benefit of having that, that rock bottom or that breakthrough moment that they, you know, so, you know, for someone who's kind of on the fence about it, that really wants to take control of their life, what kind of tips do you give them uh, for getting started out? Aside from moving to Yellowknife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it starts uh, in the mind, right? It starts by you deciding your why. Why do you want to do a certain thing? Why do you want to get into real estate? If you're trying to get into real estate because, you know, there's money in it, good luck, right? It has to be more than the money, right? Are you getting into real estate? Yes, of course, you want to be financially free, but you also want to help people. You also want to, you know, make sure that you're creating a, a better uh, properties, you know, that you can rent out to people and they feel like it's their home. Like, you know, you, you give back. There's a lot of things why, you know, you have to do certain things right that you're passionate about you have to have the passion for what you're trying to do so that's what i would say yeah find your why and really like it goes back to if you really want to do something and don't want it to be a hobby find someone who's reading a chapter ahead of you and follow them mm. that's really all you have to do because we may think that we could watch a few youtube videos that could work but again that's only going to drive you towards the hobby aspect if you're saying i actually want to do this then, you know, if people don't pay, they don't pay attention. So really saying, this is something I want to do the same way I would commit to university and pay mm -hmm. for that. I have got to pay for somebody else to give me that knowledge. And that's really the first thing I'll say. Find a mentor, pay what it is that you need to pay them. We mm -hmm. paid a $20,000 credit card at 19.99% interest, money we didn't have. Yep. And years later, we're sitting here and saying that was the best decision we ever made. That's good debt. Right. That's yes, not right. exactly <laughs> right. Because had you not had that that the ability to that credit, even at nineteen point nine percent, you would have never been able to get that mentorship. Exactly. exactly yeah. It'd be great if you had the cash, but you didn't. <laughs> but so you use what you had, right? You just yeah, exactly don't let anything hold you back. And yeah. Anybody can go and get a credit card for like nineteen percent. Uh, it's it's yeah. what you, you know you you do with it, right? You don't yeah. go and spend it on dumb stuff investing yourself exactly yeah. zeb colleen thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and, and and all this wisdom um if anybody wants to find you guys online or reach out to you how do they how do they find you okay they can um we have we have social media of course yeah we've got our <laughs> personal accounts uh, colleen yeah. and zeb our last name takira with mm -hmm. takira's we're on uh, facebook mm -hmm. instagram we're also on YouTube. on youtube as well and yeah we're definitely excited connecting with people who are in the same mindset who want to learn more about real estate and really love to connect yeah awesome thank you so much again we'll talk soon Thank All right, you. Thanks.